The following podcast is brought to you by Lady Norland's Cajun Cafe, RVA's favorite Cajun hideaway, in the fan at the corner of Maine and Stafford. Find out more at ladynorlands.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. Hello, and yes, it's a bounce-back win for VCU. Not the greatest of performances, only, only flashed at times really well. A much better second half than the first half, and we'll certainly get into that. But welcome to Rams Rewind, sponsored by our pals, Lady Nolans in Richmond. Get yourself some Cajun food anytime, certainly to celebrate a win like this. And yes, it is a win worth celebrating. As somebody pointed out in the in the fan group uh, on another thread, you know, a losing team can get hot and jump up and bite you. Uh, an under 500 team in the conference can get hot, jump up and bite you. And, you know, a lot of folks were in the game thread were, you know, talking down this performance with some justification because it really wasn't good in the first half. And even though the second half was a lot better, there were still some fairly bad patches. But, you know, before we get into this game, let's just remind ourselves of what's going on today in the world of college basketball. The number one team in the country, Auburn, went and played the worst team in the SEC, at least I think they're the worst team in the SEC. I'm going to check the standings now to be sure that that is correct. But they went to play Georgia, who's about the worst team in that league. Yeah, bottom bottom, bottom team in that league. They were 1-8 in the league coming in. They're 6-16. Six and 16. There ain't too many teams that are worse than them in a, that's a Power 5 team in this entire country. And... George Al- Auburn had to had to hit a basket with three seconds left to win that game, seventy four seventy two, and that's that's one of the worst Power Five teams in the country. That's the bottom team out of fourteen in the SEC. So you start with that, and you understand that you're going to have nights like this in conference play. And the key is to be facing the right opponent. And to do just enough to win, and sometimes to find a way to just grind out a victory. It's not easy. Not at all. But it's something that teams that gonna that are trying to win a championship or wanna or wanna get in the NCAA tournament have to do. I mean, you never in a million years would expect uh would expect uh, Auburn to go to go there, you know, eighteen wins in a row facing Georgia and almost lose, but that's what's happened. And as I speak, I am watching Arizona State versus UCLA. Arizona State is 6-13 and and 2-7 and in the Pac-12. And until tonight, they hadn't led a Pac-12 game at halftime all season. They are currently ahead of UCLA, who's the number three team in the country. And it, just a few minutes ago, they were up double digits. It's now a five-point game. So this is what happens. This is the vagaries when you play, especially when you play these long conference schedules like all these teams do now. You play flip, flipping 18 games. You know, you're going to have nights like this most of the time. I mean, it's only it's only when you get a Gonzaga West Coast Conference situation of like last year 
do you get 18 games where you're barely challenged? You know, most of the time you're fighting hard, at least two or three games. And quite often you're fighting hard against teams that you never see coming because you think, oh, they're not any good. This isn't going to be a problem. Well, that's, you know, that's the thing. So it's like, yes, the VCU game as a whole, taken as a whole, wasn't great. And, you know, Duquesne's really struggling badly. And on another night against any other, most of the other teams in this league, VCU would have probably lost. But they did find a way to win. And there are some positives. And let me start with the biggest positive. What is, you know, VCU's one of the worst foul shooting teams in America. And while the total isn't great tonight, I think they ended up, uh, let's see here, 11 to 17, which is not fantastic. In the last two minutes of the game, they were seven for eight. Seven for eight in the final two minutes of the game. And that easily, and if they weren't, if they'd done what they've done in a lot of other games, uh, some of their other some of their other issues they had in the last two or three minutes we're gonna talk, which we're gonna talk about, would have cost them. But Ward makes one out of two, then Baldwin makes two out of two, then Curry makes two out of two, and then makes two out of two again. Seven out of eight in the last two minutes, and that is how you win a game where you can't put the other team away and where you're making enough mistakes to get yourself beat. So that's that's let's start with that. And not to oversimplify it, but it it, it really is true with VCU. You know that you know this team's playing well when you look at one thing over just about anything else, and that's how many assists they have versus how many turnovers. Go to half one. Uh, where they struggled, you know they they shoot they shoot forty they shoot forty two point nine percent in the first half, twelve field goals made, four assists, nine turnovers, not good, not good at all, and 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 they're trailing at halftime to a Duquesne team that's not shooting the ball well either, but Duquesne's got seven more field goal attempts, and the turnovers had a lot to do with that, and of course the rebounding had a lot to do with that too. You know Duquesne's plus five on offensive rebounds. Uh, BCU did a better job on that in the second half. You go to the second half, and by the way, East Baldwin had one assist at halftime. You go to the second half, BCU has 10 assists on 15 made baskets, eight turnovers. That is running offense the way you're supposed to. And East Baldwin had more assists than the Duquesne's whole team had in the second half. Duquesne had four assists in the second half on only 11 made baskets and 12 turnovers. Heck, Keyshawn Curry almost had four assists. He had three assists in the second half. So it, it's that is the barometer. And, and what they couldn't do, or actually, you know what, let me rephrase that. What Dayton did to them for the entire game, and it, it, for pretty much the entire game Wednesday night, VCU kind of did to Duquesne in the second half in the sense that you know they didn't, they didn't take a lot of three-pointers. They only took six in the second half. They were two for six. VCU went inside time and again, attacked the glass, attacked the paint, attack, attack, attack in the painted area. And of course, that is, that's, you know, they had 42 paint points tonight, which, you know, they're usually pretty good about that, but, you know, they're, they'll, every now and then they'll, 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 they'll settle for too many long twos, long jumpers, and that sort of thing. And sometimes, you know, they'll get down there, get fouled, not make the foul shots and have that. 42 to 26 in the paint tonight. There's there's your difference in the game. 
And you think about that eleven nothing run, which is what really which is what really turned the game for them and put them ahead for good. And you just had so many dunks in there. And that's you know, that's the thing. It's like the dunk you know, the 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 dunk can be flashy and all that, but the, the but the great thing about a dunk is it's a high percentage shot. That's what it is. It's a high percentage shot. And so this is that eleven nothing run. Ball went drive and lay up, beautiful. Um, alley oop to Ward from Ke- Keyshawn Curry, a rare alley oop that worked. You know, Deloach dunk from a ball from a great ball went pass. Then Sahonis jars a three, and then another great pass. This is Curry to Deloach dunk, and you're like, yes, that's the way you need to play. That is how you build the base. You build the base offensively by going down inside by getting those high percentage shots at the rim and that 11 nothing run and by the way let me go back to that second Deloach dunk because that for me was a play of the game so Honus saves the ball into Baldwin Baldwin goes cross court what 55 56 feet absolutely perfect to Keyshawn Curry Keyshawn Curry drives and when he gets up in the air because I'm watching this after listening to it I'm thinking he's going to turn it over. Instead, he makes the perfect pass to Deloach Dunk. But the passing of Ace Baldwin, and there were two or three passes where he actually threaded the needle to get an assist. But it's like that particular pass right there to get the ball to Curry, the helper assist, if you will, as the late great uh, Rick Bajeris would call it, the secondary assist. You know, he, he was one somebody that when he was doing broadcasting before he went back to, into coaching – he, taught, he would always talk about the secondary assist, which is a hockey thing, and he kind of wanted to see that become, you know, enter into basketball a little bit. And that's what and, – and there's just not a lot of point guards that make that pass because it's, it's a long, almost diagonal pass, and, it, and it's so easy to mess up, and most guards, I'd say, don't do that. But Ace Baldwin's so good at passing, I'd say, yeah, I, you give him the green light to do something like that. Uh, and and that is just that was just a tremendous play. And again, I had to watch it back two or three times, in part because I enjoyed seeing it so much. And it was such a great play, but also because I wanted to see who made that first pass to get it to Curry, and it was Baldwin. And it was, again, you, you could not put the ball there any better than that. So that that was you know that's one of those things, and that's why it gets frustrating sometimes when they make the mistakes they make, and when he makes the mistakes he makes, or in the case you know in the case of this game he gets himself in foul trouble because he's woofing at somebody, and I think it was right after that dunk, or no 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 it was after the maybe it was after no it was after the Curry one or something like that I can't remember, but one of the times he gets a technical foul. And he's got four fouls, and it's like, dude, we need you on the floor. And that's the one thing. It keeps happening with this team. Periodically, somebody gets a technical foul, and I'm just sitting there going, look, I understand the emotions of the game, and you get excited and stuff, but you know what? There's there's a way to channel that that's positive, and that's back towards your teammates. Celebrate with your teammates. Hug and high-five and chest bump your teammates. Encourage them. Woofing at another uh, at an opposing player doesn't do anything except draw attention to yourself, and it doesn't help the team. And you know, Baldwin could have fouled out of this game, and that could have really hurt him down the stretch. 
and, and it's just like, dude, you know, th- that's there are two problems VCU has. One of them is that they'll get into games where they don't make the extra pass, which is literally what happened the entire night against Dayton. It felt it felt like they were one pass short on most of their possessions, and then it's the stuff that. It's the you know the lob passes was my was the thing I was really getting mad about in the in the Dayton game, but it's that and the other things. It's like there are just those moments when they think of themselves and not of the team, and it happens. And it just it's and some of that's them and some of that's coaching, and it's frustrating because more often than not they will think of the team, but when you when you get out of that, even for a moment, you can make a mistake and you can cost yourself. And, you know, that kind of goes to the game management thing. I'm going to talk about this, even though it didn't cost him in the first half. You get a rebound. Uh, You you know, you get a rebound with 28 seconds left. You really should be holding for one shot. They're going back in transition. They take a three. They get none that takes the three. They get the offensive rebound. And and Ed Nixon said it too. God bless him because he was on the call tonight. He's like, you know, you need to pull it out set up, work the clock, and get a good shot. Nunn tries a drive and takes a jumper and gives them another chance. And, okay, it didn't cost them today. Why are you bringing it up? Because go back to the Connecticut game. Go back to the Baylor game. Go back to the Dayton game on Wednesday. Those three games, and I'm sure there's other ones that I'm forgetting, where they've had a very bad last minute because they haven't managed the game well. And that's something – that, that is not getting through, whether it's the coaches are not emphasizing it enough or the, it's not taken with the players. It's not getting through. This is happening way too much. You get the ball in the last 30 seconds of the first half. You work the clock down. You get a shot near the end of the half. You don't give the other team a chance. And yet that keeps happening, and it's infuriating. It's infuriating because it has cost them. It's cost them big time. I mean, just another one popped in my mind. The last minute against St. Bonaventure up there in Olean, New York. In a game, they're in the game. They're in the game with a minute to go and a half. And they they have the worst last minute possible. And it just snowballs on them. And it's like when it happens this many times – it's one of those things that, you know, there was, there's a lot of arguing about Mike Rhodes in our group, the VCU good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and one of the things that the people that don't like him have a point on is the fact that certain things that are really not good keep happening. And at that point, you don't blame the players anymore. You blame the coach. So that's, you know, I, I'm, I know I'm picking on something there like that that in this game doesn't, didn't make a huge difference but it sort of goes to the goes to the criticisms and goes to the frustrations I and a lot of others have. Game management is something VCU has got to get better at. Absolutely has to because they because it, they could sabotage themselves. But you know, let's let's talk about let's go let's go back to the first half then real quick. Um, I was just surprised at how lethargic they were. They were second to the ball a lot. They were second to the spot a lot. And it was disturbing because it was pretty disturbing in this regard. Okay, they didn't know until an hour before the game about Vince Williams not being available because of his calf. And, of course, Deloach was in the concussion protocol. 
So if you want to give him a mulligan on that on that stuff that happened Wednesday night, that's fine. I didn't because there were certain things that you couldn't explain away by well Vince was out, in my opinion. But whatever. You know, Vince, they knew Vince, they were pretty sure they knew that the players knew that Vince was going to be out for for this game. So you have two days. The coach said that they had two really good practices. You'd think you'd come out pretty hot and pretty and pretty energetic and, and just want to show people that, that what happened Wednesday was not you. Didn't happen. Did not happen. They got down 9-2. Then they had a run to get the lead. But then they kind of they kind of leveled off again, and they were down at halftime. And I'm thinking to myself, "Golly, you know, for a team that got embarrassed on Wednesday, it's it, it, it's kind of operating as you know standard. It's kind of like well, we're going on as normal. Well, that's not good. That's not good. You got to be you got to have a little bit of pride and say that what, what happened Wednesday was nowhere near the realm of good enough, and we got to do better." But in the second half, they did. In the second half, their energy was much better on both ends of the floor. Uh, those dunks and those those dunks in that in that run really got them going. Um, and it was and it was a it was a pretty tremendous effort, even though they really didn't put Duquesne away, and they should have. And again, that comes down to some silly fouls when they were in the when Duquesne was in the bonus, some turnovers near the end after they actually did a halfway decent job of not turning the ball over in the second half and sort of different things that happened. But at least in the second half, you saw a team that started to resemble the one we're used to seeing. And yes, I know uh, Vince Williams was not on the floor and he'll probably be back. So, you know, so that, that, that those, that was a really good thing about this game. Uh, you know, the other good things in that, now this game is, you know, Hassan Ward, Really, really starting to round into the kind of form we'd expect. The double double, which a lot of that came in the second half. Five blocks. That's the other thing. VCU in the first half plucked a bunch of shots, and that's the other. Thing. That's the other thing. To be honest, thirty to twenty nine flattered VCU a lot. Duquesne probably should have been a lot further ahead. They weren't because VCU blocked eight shots in the first half and Ward blocked four of them. So, you know, that's that's a pretty remarkable thing to do in a half to block that many, to, to, to throw that many shots back at somebody. And it probably kept them in the game. And and Ward's game tonight, 13, 10, 10 boards, five blocks, a couple steals really was such a presence on the defensive end. I mean, Trey Williams did did was tough on him. Uh and he even hit a three. But still, I mean, outside of Trey Williams, I mean this gives you an idea. Trey Williams was nine of thirteen, you know, which is pretty spectacular, nineteen points. The rest of the team's fourteen for for forty nine. So they they just they smothered the rest of them. You know, the the guards the guards did a fabulous job to Defensively again, Curry, Baldwin, Sahonis when he had to get in there, none. You know these these guards of Dayton just were not were not able to get going at all. You know, easily starts the game with a three and then doesn't hit another one the rest of the way and only makes four field goals to get it. You know, he, he takes thirteen shots to get eleven points. Primo Spears needs twelve spot shots to get eleven points. You know, that's that's not good. 
that that's not good at all. Uh, that's not very efficient, and that's what that's what the VCU guards can do to you defensively. Um, so that would that was really good from them. Uh, I I mean Nick Kern had Nick Kern had some bad moments, but I thought he had a lot of good moments too. I was actually very happy with what Nick Kern gave us because he because I what I described him and Josh Banks as the juice guys, like they're going to come off the bench and give this team a jolt. I thought Kern did that in the first half, even though he missed, you know, even though he, you know, he had a pass, he got a nice drive to the lane and then a pass at the basket. And then on the finger roll, the, it would, I mean, he's, he's physically gifted. So I'm not surprised he tries that. And, and he probably most of the time would have make it, but Nick Kern, if he did just look to the other side of the lane, here comes Sahonis. And I guess the only thing you could criticize Sahonis for in that, in that, uh, particular play is that he didn't fill the lane as quickly as he should or, or Kern might have seen him but Kern I feel like should, should still should have saw him and dumped it over to him it would have been a layup for sure uh, but I like I like that Deloach was good tonight again played some good defense couple of dunks in that big run uh, so Honus you know he, he did have he did foul out including that last foul which is 75 feet their basket that, that had that had Rhodes really upset but, you know, good shot selection for him. And he only had a couple of shots where I'm like, dude, what are you doing taking it so quick? And that's the other thing. Again, said this to somebody else, VCU shot selections come a long way. Um, because, like tonight, 5 of 12 from 3. You say, what's the big deal about that? The big deal is they only took 12 threes. So, you know, they they don't – they're not – they're not going to go crazy from outside anymore, even if they start well from three. And they're not going to sit here and just chuck it up. You saw a little bit of that against Dayton. Didn't see it tonight. Shot selection was pretty darn good. Uh, there was a couple times. There was a couple times where I didn't like it. There was a couple times when they took a took a shot early in the clock. But the shot selection was was good. And in the second half, they were more patient. They were really working the offense well. And it and it pays off. They shoot over fifty percent in the second half again, which I think has got to be at least the sixth or seventh time they've done that this year. For a team that struggled on offense, it's pretty good to be able to do that. Fifteen to twenty-eight in the second half, so that that was terrific. I already mentioned the foul shooting at the end of the game because that's something they've struggled with, and they close this game out doing it doing that from the from the uh, foul line. Uh, Keyshawn Curry again, great defensive night. And gets three assists, and gets twelve points, and gets the bucket that kind of sealed it for him at the end. Uh, after the steal, one of those one of those pick sixes like that's what other teams call when they when VCU gets a steal and gets an un, you know a run out and a dunk and a dunk or a layup. And look, again, if they got their, if they've got everybody, they probably win this game a lot more comfortably. You know, Duquesne's really struggling. And, you know, people were down in this and saying, oh, we, you know, we've got problems that are more than just Vince. And I suppose I can understand that argument, but, let, but to be perfectly honest, that some of those problems we have are masked or severely mitigated by Vince's presence on the floor. And my, ho- and my hope was is that he wouldn't play today and that VCU would find a way to get through and win, which is what happened. So now they're 7-3. and three. Um they're tightening their grip on the top on a, on that top four double buy spot. You know they're tied with Dayton uh, now because Dayton lost to St. Louis. 
They're only half a game behind St. Louis, who's you know seven and two in the conference and playing really well. Uh, you know, win, winning that winning that uh, winning that battle of second today against Dayton. They're a game ahead of Richmond, having already beat them at their place. You know, Mason's lost a couple in a row now. So it's starting to – it's kind of starting to separate a little bit now. And VCU's got that opportunity to separate themselves. Now, of course, their next game is a team that's kind of had the Indian sign on them for a few years, and that's Rhode Island. But Rhode Island is really struggling. Rhode Island had a good start to the conference season. You know, they, they lost a tight game at Davidson, played well, played well, maybe was unlucky to lose. Then they won three in a row. They beat St. Joe's, UMass, and LaSalle. But they've lost five straight. And three of those were at home. And they just lost to Massachusetts at home. So they got some problems right now, Rhode Island. And granted, VCU's had their issues with them. So you do, you know, that is a concern. But at the same time, I really do think that this is the right time for VCU to play Rhode Island. And look. Got to cross our fingers and toes. It's Vince back. That Vince gets back because we definitely need him. Um, and you know, but it's it's starting to, it's starting to take shape for VCU now. And something that that in the good, the bad, the ugly group, I'm going to get to work on probably to, if not tomorrow, then Monday. VCU's non-conference schedule continues to perform well, and and has a chance to continue to pay dividends for them. So even though I know a lot of people were damning them and saying, well, there's no chance of an at-large and all that because of how badly they got beat against Dayton. And it was. It was it was a pretty awful defeat. But again, Dayton's also a really good team. You know, they they beat Kansas, as a for instance, Kansas walloped Baylor <laughs> today in the in that Big 12 showdown. Um so it again, we've had these home losses, but they're all the really good teams. By and large, you know that we haven't had a home loss like losing to a UMass, for instance, or losing to LaSalle or losing to George Washington or something like that. Uh, And I just think, you know, VCU and something else we kind of talked about in the group a little bit. And again, if you're not part of the VCU good and the bad and the ugly group, you should be because we have a lot of interesting debates in there and all that. The game threads are always fun, even when we're all complaining about how VCU's playing. But VCU has all has had shattering losses like the one they had Wednesday night before. Uh, and I went through them in the Rhodes era. Uh, you know, they went to Dayton and gave up 106 in a game. And as bad as Wednesday night was, that was a picnic compared to that, even though they ended up losing that game by less than what uh, they lost to Dayton to Wednesday night. And even though VCU didn't end the season that great, they did respond after that game, and then they beat Dayton the second time, as a for instance. Uh, and there's been other ones like that. And, of course, the most famous example that we all refer back to, which is pre-Rhodes, of course, was in 2015. Davidson kicked the holy hell out of them down at the Belk Arena. And then, and then the last regular se- last game of the regular season, and VCU turned around and won the A-10 tournament and beat Davidson a week later in a semifinal on the way to doing it. So th- this team has shown that resiliency over the years. And, again, I, I called at the time that, that if they really were going to respond to this performance the way that other VCU teams have, then that means they needed to win. They need to win the rest of their games in February and set themselves up for what turns out to be two absolutely gigantic games in March that could really tell, you know, determine their season in some respects. 
Well, this was step one to that, beating Duquesne. Now you got Rhode Island, and you hope that not only is Vince's back, but the fact that Rhode Island has been such a pain in our tail this season. And look, that was one of the ones I brought up. You know, in a span of 11 days last year, VCU absolutely collapsed at home against Rhode Island and lost by 15 in a game, I think, that was tied with four minutes left. And then, of course, in that same in that same 11 days, went up to New York to play St. Bonaventure, had a 15-point lead and, still, and, and had a 31-point turnaround against them in the second half. And they responded very well to that. So that part of that response is, you know, win this home game with Rhode Island before you hit the road for two. And again, start to build momentum at the top of this conference and see if, you know, some of these teams that are in front of us can stub their toe a little bit. I really thought we were going to get help the other night with Dayton and up at St. Bonaventure. It didn't, with Davidson, excuse me, when they were up at St. Bonaventure, it didn't happen. So, yeah, no, that's, that's the state of play we're in. But overall, Yes, it's got to be better. If Vince is on the floor, it will be better. But there were still some really good things and some really good performances uh, in this game that are worth celebrating. And look, there, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of like Stockhart and a few other players. We're not that far removed from Stockhart having 12 points in 17 minutes in a game. So I just, I would just encourage, I would just caution people: don't go, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater yet. It's going to come around again for these players. Stockhard will have another good moment or several good moments or several good games. I, I really do believe that. And and just stick with these guys. Stick with all these guys, even when they frustrate us with their play or some of the mistakes they made, because I do think eventually it does turn around uh, with them. So that is that is it for this uh, version of, of Rams Rewind. I want to thank everybody for listening. And, of course, VCU Good and the Mad and the Ugly group join that. Tuesday seven is a 7 o'clock tip. If I can have a day at work like I had today, then there I will be home in time to watch it. Uh, and that means a live video along with the podcast, of course. If not, it'll be like what we did today. You know, no live video, but podcast will drop in the a.m. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, remember, Nate Lady Nollins are good friends and sponsors of this podcast. And I will talk to you guys uh, hopefully Tuesday night or, uh, talk, or you can hear me uh, Wednesday of next week. Uh, have a good night, everybody. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, join the Facebook group VCU Basketball Fans, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.